Hello. Hi, Chanel. How are you? I'm good. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I You're welcome. Um, so let's talk about my favorite, favorite thing, languages. So my first question for you is how did you get started? I mean, when was the first time that you knew that this was something you wanted to do? Okay, so my language journey was actually an accident. I got started on languages. I was middle school, going into high school, and I didn't really fit in with anybody in my area of the world. And I stumbled on this awesome band called Roxette. And I started making friends from around the world. But in order to do that, I had to start learning languages. So I met all these people online. They all spoke multiple languages. They all wrote on... um, the main website for this band in their languages and everybody could talk to them except for me. So being the only American in a room full of people that you don't know, that don't speak your language, it's really overwhelming. So I decided I wanted to be friends with them. I wanted to be a part of group and so I started learning languages to kind of basically show my respect and it just kind of went from there what what was the language that you were starting off learning I started off with Romanian of all languages that was the first one the first people that started talking to me were all from Romania. And so I started just reading what they were writing. I'd go on Google Translate and I'd look up words. So how do you say hello? Which, you know, for most people, they don't know this. But the way you say hello in Romanian is buna or buna diminata or good morning. And so I would think of phrases, I'd write down a phrase, I'd figure out how to type it, and I'd start slow. And so I started kind of keeping my own little phrase book of sorts. So if I wanted to say hello, how do you say it in this language? And I'd go and look it up. And like three months in, I started getting friends from Romania first, then Sweden, then all kinds of different countries. And it kind of started from there. I love Romanians. They're awesome. They're really nice, too. Did you find that the internet helped you a great deal in regards to, you know, resources for Romanian? I mean, did you go to the library? Yes and no. So, okay, so Romanian is one of those languages, it's easy to learn, but there were no resources except for online. 
so when I started learning it, the only thing I really had was like Google, I had like Google Translate, I had um, people from the country, if I messed up, that would tell me I was wrong. I didn't really go to the library because back then they didn't have all the resources they have now. It was mainly learn as many phrases as you can, try to use them, and when you screw up, ask why you screwed up, which is kind of why I made my own phrase book, actually, because when I went to uh, Barnes and Nobles, they didn't have the books for Romanian. They had Spanish, they had French, they had, you know, think they may have had Russian and Chinese back then but there were nothing there were no books or language guides for Romanian so I just started writing down words and anytime I had to learn a new phrase I'd write it in my little notebook and it finally got to the point where I made about three or four friends that anytime they talked to me, they would talk to me in English, but then they'd also switch back and forth. So it was a random, okay, let's test your knowledge. Here's this phrase. Now see if you can read it and either write back to me and answer a question or use the language. So the internet kind of helped, but at the same time, actually using the language helped more if that makes sense right so there wasn't like a teach yourself or aussie mill or a lonely planet phrase book or <laughs> wow there was there was a google translate or something that was like the equivalent of google translate and then there were articles that my new friends would send me or there was a music clip that they would have sent me so that's how it started it was crazy did you learn any any language in school no no I did not get any actual language classes until I was I want to say sophomore like sophomore or junior level of high school we didn't have the luxury, like even even learning like French and Spanish, we didn't have the option until high school. So I didn't get around to learning Spanish or French until high school. It was just one of those, I'm going to try this because I want new friends and I don't want them to think that I'm being rude or that I'm disrespectful. But it actually kind of helped me in a way, because if you've ever studied Romanian, it's a very simple, it's Latin-based and French and Spanish art, so my precursor for learning Romanian actually helped me in Spanish and French, and I took French first of the two, and I took one semester of French and I beat out all the level four French students in French. So it was one of those, hey, I really liked this language and now I have this offered. I think I'm going to do this because I want to succeed at something. 
and everything else in school like I sucked at everything else except for music and languages you know that's interesting you say that because um my first introduction to language I was about five when I learned American Sign Language because I was around a lot of deaf kids and some visually impaired and some sighted and I was fluent but if you don't use it you lose it and I had had probably one week of Spanish in the seventh grade and that was the extent of it it wasn't until I got to college that I took Spanish but once again that was not by necessity or choice it was because that was the only language that was offered at Tri-C Eastern Campus at the time which was 18 years ago and uh, I knocked it out the ballpark. Now, yes, I was good at philosophy and, and psychology and sociology and history. And, but when it came down to math and it came down to science, that was the stumbling block. I was average. But yeah. everything else I was good at. So I really learning game until... Hmm, I was horrible at everything. Like I, I was horrible at science. I was horrible at math. I was okay with English, depending on the teacher. But the only thing I really succeeded at was music, art, and language. But, but here's the thing: is I recently found out. So I found this out about five years ago. So I was diagnosed with um, Fragile X, and most people have no idea what that is. And what that is, is it's a genetic disorder, so it causes things like autism, it causes um, cognitive and uh, learning delays. So the problems I had in math and speech and everything were difficult for me because of that so when I found languages it was something I wanted to do it wasn't something that was pushed on me and so learning it wasn't so much of a struggle because first off I wanted to learn it second off there was a reward and that reward was these people that lived half across the world actually wanted to talk to me And most people around me at that time did not want to talk to me. They thought I was stupid or they thought I, I didn't try hard enough. So for me, it was kind of positive. It was more of a, uh, I'm going to push myself to do this and I'm going to succeed for me rather than, Oh, Hey, here's this, be better at it than everybody else. Right. So in a way, I kind of look to foreign language now as it's this one thing that people cannot take away from me. And it's the one area where I, it's more of a journey for an individual. So each person is going to have their own language journey. Each person is going to have their own favorite things about a language or different languages. And everybody's going to be at different steps. So it's, it's kind of like there's no real like competition. 
unless you're pushing yourself to be better than you were the day before at a language. And that's why I like languages because it gives you a chance to push yourself to your limits based on where you started and then where you want to end up. If that makes sense. Oh, it makes total sense. I can definitely relate to that because I see a lot of people on the internet where they have this belief that you can learn a language in 24 hours or six months or and I said, well, it depends on the language. If you already know one romance language, then it won't take you that long to learn the rest of them. And that depends on, you know, if you want to know all five of them, you know, or you just want to know two out of the five or whatever, whatever it is that interests you personally. But I see that a lot. Or I see someone who doesn't even speak a language say, well, are you fluent? And I said, well, there's, you mean, am I proficient? Um, because a lot of people get that word mixed up. How much of the language do you know? How proficient are you in speaking the language? Fluidity, fluidity, fluidity is how smoothly the language flows out of you when you speak it. It doesn't have anything to do with the amount of knowledge you acquired within that particular language. So when people say that, and a lot of polyglots get that mm, wrong, then they go and they do a video about it because someone asked what was the difference. But they still continue to say I'm fluent in this. And I was like, you're proficient. There's a difference. You know this much information, which there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, I kind of like to be accurate because there are a lot of ESL learners out there that get tripped up on those, you know, two definitions. And, you know, I just, I, I see that a lot, like a lot of competition. I want to know 30 languages. Well, go for it but you're not going to be C1, C2 in all these languages that's not realistic you might be able to reach 30 languages but I guarantee you half of that would be A1, A2 it's not going to be anywhere near you know native I mean because let's face it none of us are going to reach native proficiency in the target language because number one, we weren't born in that country. So there are certain experiences we will never have because we were never, you see what I'm saying? We didn't live there. We can come close, but a native's always going to tell that you're not one of them. You can speak the language all day, but there's still mistakes you're going to make as a second, third, fourth, or fifth language, you know, whatever that language number, that language falls under for you. You're still, you're not going to be native. It's just not going to be something that's 
you can pass for because you weren't you see what I'm saying you weren't you didn't live in that country you didn't have the same memories that they do and the same experiences you can go by your own experiences but you'll never um you won't be able to really relate to them in that way like people can learn English they can move over here they can become quite proficient in the language but there's just things about American culture in general that they just never will understand. You see what I'm saying? Because they weren't here their entire life. And I was talking about this with Richard Simca on Monday, and he actually agreed with this with me on that because, you know, native people of Russian or whatever language that the person's learning, they can talk in that language all day. But you're going to find some mistakes that they make, you know, as a result of, because you can only talk in the language for so long before your head starts exploding. So um, we were talking about that, and I'm just curious what your take on that is. Huh? Amanda? No. No. Hello. Amanda. <laughs> Hello. I'm so sorry. We have a lot of wind here. I thought it was me for a minute. I was just talking. <laughs> no. I Okay, so Missouri has a lot of wind right now. We traded snow and ice for wind and rain. So, I apologize. That's okay. Uh, so, where were we? Oh, we were talking about proficiency and fluency. Right. And I had ended on saying that a lot of people seem to get the two mixed up. And a lot of poly. Uh, get it mixed up fluency is how the language flows coming out of you when you speak it proficiency is the amount of information that you acquire while learning the language okay so how proficient are you of a speaker okay well it depends on how much information I have in my head you know am I conversational am I a novelist am I you see what I'm saying yeah so now in the same token, they still continue to misuse the word fluent incorrectly. This is after they didn't given a video about it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I um I had ended the recording and saved it. And I had asked before I realized that you weren't on there uh, what your thoughts were about this topic of fluency versus proficiency and why people get the two mixed up because they seem to think it's the same thing and it's not. Yeah. Okay. 
So I personally think fluency, that word, I hate that word. And the reason I hate that word is because I feel like no matter what language is your first language, it's your native language. It's the one that people will say you have the most fluency in. That makes sense to me. I prefer the word proficiency over anything else. And the reason I say that is because, okay, you take English, for example. English is my native language. I cannot tell you how many times I screw up in my own language. And I have days where I just cannot talk in even English. So on those days, fluency is not even there. So so I prefer proficiency because I feel like proficiency is dealing with everything from can you read the language, can you write the language, can you speak the language. However, with proficiency, I think proficiency grows with time. And I know we have like levels. So we have, you know, A1 up to like C1 or C2. And I, I like that there's levels. However, I don't like the fact that there's the whole um, disorganization between, well, you may be this, but you also may be this. Because I feel like you can be super proficient at reading and writing a language but if you haven't had anybody to practice with then your proficiency in speaking is going to be so much lower and it's not that you don't know the language you just haven't mastered all three skills at the same exact level which is not a bad thing because it kind of depends on what it is you want to do with languages but I kind of feel like instead of fluency that word just needs to be kicked out because languages change over time so the language that we have right now okay so we have languages like Egyptian and then we have languages like the ancient Egyptian They're ancient forms. Nobody speaks it that way anymore. So fluency is something that always changes. And proficiency is something that always changes. And in order to keep both, you have to keep working with everything for both. So I kind of feel like it's, a combination of the two but I don't really like the word fluency because you can have a day where you're like I know this I know this but my brain's not working you know I was talking to Vladimir Scoltetti about this back in October and 
he said the same thing. We were we were discussing uh, certifications, and I said, you know, it kind of reminds me of the you know college years where you went and you studied for the test. You weren't in there to learn anything. I mean, you just did a lot of rote memory and, you know, you were lucky to be able to say your name, where you were from, what you did, who your family was, your likes and dislikes and order some food. But when it came down to having a real conversation with someone, that was impossible. Yeah. And And that's what I don't like about the tests, by the way, because I've, I've been studying to train for the both the translating test and the interpreting test mm-hmm. and I'm nowhere near like ready to actually take the test but I can already tell you I I do not like the way they give tests because one I suck at taking tests and two the way they word these things on the test is nowhere near how it will be in the field right um, so now, now you're going are you going for simultaneous interpreting or are you going for conference interpreting? I honest I was thinking of going for like medical interpreting. Oh. Yeah. And I actually here's the thing, I took the interpreting test before I got started doing teaching. And I did fine with the um regular conversation you know like the whole how are you what's your name that kind of thing and I was able to answer questions until we got to the medical part because it had never occurred to me back then that where they need uh, interpreters the most at least here in Kansas City is in the medical field Oh, yeah. They need it in the medical field and they need it in the courtroom. Well, and so that's the thing is, while I knew my Spanish well enough, because they give you a written test with the verbal test and they do it simultaneously, at least that's what they did when I took it, it kind of threw me off. And I don't know if it was done that way on purpose or not, But it kind of throws you off because you're not really sure exactly what it is they're wanting to know that you know how to do. I looked that up a couple of years ago on YouTube. There is a certain course you have to take for medical interpreting because there's a certain way you have to be able to interpret. And it can't be like what you learned in college. At exactly. all. Totally. And you got to make sure you know it because if you don't, you could be held liable. Yeah. And see, and that's, that's the thing is I took the test before I even knew that there was a place you could go and get certified. I originally wanted to do interpreting and I thought, okay, I'll work in like a classroom for, you know, a family, that kind of thing. And my skills in Spanish after like one or two semesters was high enough that they were willing to let me take the test. And then the way that they want 
things done. They have specifics. If you don't know exactly how they have those specifics, your language skills basically do not matter. So that's the other reason I don't like the whole fluency thing. Well, no, but nobody's 100% fluent. And um, I don't know if you saw this this one YouTuber on um, YouTube. Her name is Ambi Gonzalez. She goes by Soy Ambi TV. And she's 28. And she's African-American. She lives in Puerto Rico with her twins. She speaks English, Spanish, Portuguese, Korean, and she's learning Chinese right now. She just became engaged to her Chinese um, fiance. And she, um, what she does is she does interpreting back and forth from one language to another. And she picks a particular topic in all four languages, like let's say restaurant stuff or, you know, so she'll do that for each language. So she'll have it down packed. And she even has scripts for like medical terminology and business and what you would say at a bank. And oh, yeah, she has her own businesses and everything. She's 28 yeah. years old. And, and she, with that, I think it's more of a she's proficient in all of them because she's studied them specifically for those those terms so I with hers because that's kind of what I'm trying to do now is I'm trying to pick specific um, languages right but I think what she did was she picked a particular topic to practice with all for the language well at the time it was Spanish Portuguese and Korean yeah um and she did it that way because She's also going into medical interpreting. And she, because she's a linguistics major now at the University of Puerto Rico. And she was saying this is what she had to do in order to be able to know the information. Yeah, I'll have to check hers out. Yeah. Um, yeah, she has, she has websites and everything. And yeah, she even has courses and stuff that she does. She had a, a company for three years where she tutored online and um, she's really popular. I'm going to be interviewing her eventually. And so um, I thought I would throw that out there for you as a resource because this girl, she came from a very, uh, she went through some stuff. And I, I liked her story a great deal. I mean, she wrote a book on how to, like, learn Spanish and A1 Spanish. And she got her A1 certificate from Coursera and um, Chinese. And, oh, yeah, she loves languages. She's a bit entrepreneur and everything, 28 years old. Yeah, see, that's kind of what I want to do is I want to – I want to figure out which languages, first of all, that I want to do for interpreting and which ones I want to do for translating. And then I want to go topic by topic and I want to study those topics and just keep studying them until I know them inside and out. The, the thing I think people run into with 
languages is they're not really sure which topics they want to learn about because you have to know the basics obviously right i mean now if you know basic conversation that's up to a2 yeah and And that's that's the thing is you have to get yourself from a1 to a2 where you know all the basics inside and out and then i feel like you have to take okay i have these basics now i have a range of like say two three topics and i'm going to study nothing on these topics except for these these set topics and then once you can go from those topics and you have them down inside and out then you go on to the next one i know when i was talking to richard a couple days ago richard simcock which was a great episode you should you should listen to it um he was saying that you pretty much have to know a little bit of everything because he was taking his his um c1 exam for his his turkish language a while back and he he thought he had everything covered you know he's it's richard simcott i mean (laughs) he thought he had it all covered they wanted him to talk about like the turkish war and you know military issues and this test and he covered everything but that yeah and see that right there that's the perfect example of why i hate the word fluency because there's fluency changes not only with languages but it changes with a the way a person thinks and no two people think alike so no two people are going to be able to talk about the same topic right the same way well, but I mean, he was getting his certification, and so that was what was on the test. Yeah. And so basically, what you have to kind of do is you kind of have to know a little bit of everything because you just don't know what they're going to cover. Right. Well, that's yeah. like the um, the translation test. So the translation test is a lot different than the interpreting test. And the translation test is they give you the hardest thing from the year before. And they make it super hard. And they don't, um, they don't let you have a heads up about what it is. So whatever test material they give you is what you have. Now, did you have any type of accommodations? No. <laughs> no. I, the, the one with the uh, translation one, I have not taken yet because I don't have the money to send out for the practice test, let alone the um, actual test, which will be a much harder one than the previous one. I had planned on just for, I can tell you though, when I took the interpreting one, I did not have any accommodations because I did not know about the Fragile X at the time. This was like 10 years ago, I think, mm-hmm. that I took it. So accommodations for that, there, there were none. As far as the translation one of all the research that I've done, and I can't remember exactly where I found it. It might have been on the Alta website it might have been on the uh the um american translation uh site site but yeah they they don't let you know ahead of time what the material is 
because they don't want you to they don't want you to be able to cheat off of somebody who's already taken it right so they give you the shortest thing they can but they don't tell you what topic they give you the topic at random right handwritten there's no cat tools there's no internet basically you get a dictionary see unfortunately i don't think i would want to do the translation i mean evidently now because of the ada you have and if you have documentation stating your disabilities they have to give you so much time they have to give it to you in a way that is you know comfortable for you to be able to take it so forth and so on yeah i i'm saving up the money to do the translation one because translation is the one i want to do the most because it allows me to be at home with my daughter more so than the interpreting at this point because she's too little but i think what i want to do is i want to go for both of them so whichever one i can afford first is the one i'll go for but I personally, I prefer translation because I have this game I play with myself for comprehension of languages. And I actually do it using things like Facebook and that kind of thing. But the game I play with myself is I make friends from around the world, right? So I've got people on there from literally every country. And so what I do is For example, I'm learning Russian and Chinese, right? Because I wanted a challenge. So all my friends that live in Russia, when they write something in Russian, I go through their posts and I pick out the words that I know. And then I pick out the words I don't know. And then I sit there and I try to guess based on the words that I do know and the words that I'm not really sure if I know what it says in that language. And then I make a note of it, of what my guess is as far as comprehension, what I, I think it may say. And I try to get it to the exact word. And then I check on... Um, Because Facebook has this thing where you can check the uh, translation. So I hit the translation thing, and then I see how close I was. And then I take it one step further. So with the words that I already know, I kind of just put those aside. Because I already learned them, and obviously I've learned them enough where I understand when I see it, I, I know it. But I take the ones I don't know, or the phrases I don't know. And I write them down and I look up the words in a dictionary or I hit Google Translate to find like the key, like root word for it. And I make a note of it. And that way, next time it pops up, I've already trained my brain to see it and say, okay, this word means this. Um, And then it kind of helps me go on because after a while you start noticing like a pattern and I'm finally picking up a pattern in um, Russian where it's like, okay, I know the ending endings uh, change because they're, they're cases, right? Right. So I'm 
teaching myself to read Russian and then I'm teaching myself to read it out loud so I have a feel for what it says. So I actually tested myself. I was really, really happy. I tested myself with um, some lyrics. And by the way, so that is the cool thing about like lyrics. I love music. Um, so I managed to get this chance to work with some friends that have a um, record company. And so I get to practice translating Russian into English, which is awesome because it's the, one of the languages I'm learning. And so I've been practicing writing down all the words I hear and all the um, words that I can pick up that I know when they're pronounced and when I see them written. And so what I did, so I had a chance to um, do translations for um, a YouTube video, and I might get to do like six or seven more. And so what I'm doing is I'm writing out the words, and I have this thing where I circle the ones I know, and then I underline the ones I don't. And the ones I don't, then I can um, look up. And so I can kind of make a pattern of um, teaching myself the cases while I translate the lyrics. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that's the thing is I learn languages by watching for a pattern. And that's how I picked up several languages at once. Like I did a live video where I talked about this, how it is possible to do but it's not always the best thing and I kind of feel like it depends on the branch of languages like I feel like if you're doing like a latin based um, branch or like romance languages it's kind of okay to teach yourself Spanish and French and Italian and all those at the same time because the way they the way they word things in sentences is very similar. Some of the words are very similar. Even though there's different meanings, like tener means yeah. so tener means to to hold something in French, but it means to have in Spanish. And yeah. tardy means late in Italian, and it means the same thing. In French, but it's it's the tardy is pronounced in Italian, but it's not pronounced in French. Yeah, so I mean, and then you put plu on, and be, you know, before that, and blah blah. So yeah, it it's there are similars. There are similarities. Yeah, there's there's similarities, and there are, there are, that's the thing. There's words that are very similar have different meanings and then there's words that are similar and have like kind of the same meanings but they're a little bit different yeah they're so they're yeah like the spelling might be a little bit different or the pronunciation might be a little bit different but there's like a definite um pattern if you right. work long enough with them so once you pick up something like spanish or you pick up french whichever one 
you do, you have a better chance of getting it to where, oh, hey, I've picked up this language and this language. You know, that's just like, for instance, for me right now, I'm, I'm doing several languages at one time. So are they easy or hard? Huh? Are they easy languages or hard? Because they're, well, I, there is a- I, I wouldn't con- I wouldn't consider any language to be difficult. I think it's a psychological thing with people. People say stuff as, as they've never done it before, or you know, life is hard. But to me, a language isn't difficult. It's yeah. the the mindset. So, like right now, I'm, I'm doing Thai, Turkish, and Cantonese. So. For me, because I'm motivated, I'm doing that. I'm working on my Italian and my French. You know, I'm able to keep it all separate. Yeah, and and that's the thing is, can you separate them? Because that's the thing. I think it's okay to learn languages, like, from a branch. Um, But I I like to skip. I I guess it's how you categorize them. Because I personally categorize languages as being either easy or being hard and what makes them hard like for example i put russian in the more of like a difficult category because the alphabet is completely different it can throw you off i it's, put it it's in there the yes places which can throw you off but i do the same thing with like chinese because it's not the alphabet that I'm used to, you know, it's a completely different. Um, You're using pinyin, right? Yeah. Okay, that's the more Romanized, the more Roman Romanized eyes, um, wait for English speakers and people in the West to learn Chinese. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's the thing. It's like, so I put Chinese in, in. Well, here's the thing: I put Chinese in the difficult one. For as far as category, because while I'm learning the pinyin version to start speaking it, when it comes to like the written form, like in the Chinese characters, I'm completely lost for the most part. I do have like two Chinese characters, possibly a few others that I recognize, but that's the thing is like you have to think for yourself, okay is this language going to be easy for me or is it going to be hard for me? And everybody is different, right? So for me, languages that have like a similar alphabet to English, I'll pick up super easy. Languages like, um, you know, Esperanto that pick up on a little bit of all of those, for me, it's easy because it's got things that I'm used to seeing. It's got the things I'm used to hearing. What people fail to realize, if you know Latin. Yeah, if you know Latin, you can figure out all of them. Right. And, um, however, I, I, I guess for me personally, because I had a really dismal education in high school, I had no, no access to language at all, aside from English. So, after university and after taking Spanish, uh, Let's just say it's been four years since I became an independent language learner and Russian was the first language for me. And yes, the case system can be quite daunting, but it's all about context. 
Yeah. And, and, that's and thing. thank you for a lot. A lot of listening. That's probably one of the most important things a person can do. Yes, reading's great. I'm not saying that reading's not great. It is. But I when I learned Russian and, and trust me, I'm high intermediate, but I can now hold two hour conversations with people in Russian about a variety of different topics. But that's because I spoke for a year and then I went and I listened for a whole year to from sun up to sundown. From 6 a.m. to midnight, I had it playing in the background. Whether it was podcasts, whether it was the radio, whether it was movies, whether it was Putin speaking, it didn't matter. That's what I do with music and movies. I have it uh, playing in the background, so I'm watching it, I'm reading it, and I'm listening to it all at the same time. Are you speaking? I gotta look. Well, I try to get speaking practice in, and I have not been able to do speaking practice as of yet. But for me, I because everybody's different, and I have to go with like how the fragile X works with my brain. And for me, I have to see definite patterns that give me that like breakthrough, like ah, okay, I get the context of this before I can like start. Um, speaking because the way my brain works is I'm more of a um, visual okay so they can understand that's the thing so I feel like language learning is something that you have to figure out how you best learn things and then find a way to take the way you learn best to make it to where you can learn the rest of it so I'm very visual I like to be able to see things. So that's like why, you know, I like music videos and I like movies and stuff because it kind of, when I see the word and then I hear it, I get a, ah, okay, like that aha moment type deal. Same thing with like um, Russian cases and that kind of thing. So, I mean, that's how I am as far as, like, Russian. And, like, Chinese, I have not found anybody to practice speaking with yet either. You want to try yourself for a little while so you can hear yourself speak. But, like, okay, so you take, like, um, Chinese, for example, with um, what we had mentioned about, like, the pinyin and the way we um, have it and, you know, with all the characters. Right. So I'm going to be doing the same thing with the tones. It's going to be like, okay, this symbol would be this tone. And so once I have that down, and I'm so used to making the tone sounds, then I can start learning the words. Because the visual of that accent that says, okay, this is how you know it's this tone, that's how I'm going to learn Chinese. That's how I learn all my languages, is it's visual first and then it's auditory and then I start speaking it because my brain for some reason because of the fragile X mm-hmm. so my daughter and I have this thing where our brains are not fully formed so we have um like dark matter and regular matter where it should not be it's like switched oh wow 
so yeah that's that's the thing so it's like I have to kind of take my time getting to where I can read it and then you know write it and speak it and speaking for me is always last because I can't um I can't get my brain and my mouth to coordinate together half the time if that makes sense yeah I get I get what you're saying it's like the the speech thing doesn't quite work the way it should. Mm-hmm. So for me, learning languages is once I got all those aha moments, then I have moments where I'm like, oh, I'm just speaking it. And everybody's like, oh, she's speaking in a foreign language. Okay. Like my, if you ever like meet some of my friends that live here, they will sit there and they'll tell you when I'm like the least bit stressed and I've got nothing going on. I will just start remembering things that I've learned and I'll just start spouting off like things in Spanish or I'll start spouting things off in French and stuff. But if somebody puts me on the spot and says, well, say this, my brain kind of short circuits. And when my brain short circuits, my mouth short circuits. And it does that in English, too. It's like if you were to ask me, when you get a second, you know, can you show me how to say this in sign language? Because I learned sign language from my daughter. And mm-hmm. her and I can sit there all day and we'll be, you know, signing to each other back and forth. No problem. Right. We can get a game. But if somebody puts me on the spot, my... Fragile X next someone says, wait, hold on, what? It's really annoying because it kind of holds me back as far as being able to do the interpreting thing because it's so on the spot, on the spot, on the spot. Right. Did you Which think is- maybe maybe it would be better to do the translation? Yeah, and that's the thing. That's why I'm going for the translation first and foremost. And I've got some translation experience, and I've been getting translation jobs, actually, um, which is kind of cool, actually. I I managed to get one that was completely, that's the cool thing. So with the translation, that thing, that path has turned out so interesting. So my first foray into translation was actually through a friend of a friend who was like, hey, um, we have this person and they'd like this translated. And since you're really good at like all these languages, can you take a look at it? And I started off with my um, first translation piece I did for a job was handwritten from the 1800s and in Latin. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now, see, I don't know if I could have done that. <laughs> and, well, I kind of made it a game. Like, hey, let's let's see how much of this that I can actually get translated. And with the exception of like a few words, because it was kind of hard to tell the handwriting, I managed to get the majority of it translated. And all it was was it was like three, um, three different sections, three lines a piece. But I managed to get it uh, done and turned in before deadline. And I managed 
to impress people enough that I am now the uh, translator for the uh, genealogy um, page and department for one of my friend's pages because they don't have anybody else that can do translations for them. So anytime they need a translation, it's, hey, we have this document. It's handwritten. It may or may not be handwritten. And then I have like a few weeks or so to translate it. And that's the thing. It's like, I always try to do a few weeks because I have Ivy. Right. But I've managed to get that. I've managed to get a uh, pretty decent paying translation job in Spanish that I completed. And it was two different documents, three pages each, like full pages from Spanish to English. And that was my first like big paying job. And then like a week or two ago, I got the uh, chance and opportunity to start doing song lyrics, which I mean, it's not much, but it's like slowly building. And so by the time I get all this done, I took my portfolio from, you know, one handwritten document and two three-page documents to, I want to say anywhere from like 10 to 20 different things in my portfolio. That's good. So, I mean, it can be done. It's more of putting yourself out there. Yeah, see, I'm not the... If you would have told me about this 17 years ago after I had finished my Spanish and I was able to, you know, tell you what it said, like you read it to me and I could tell you exactly what it said, word for word, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's... But... uh... Um, but I've always been an auditory. Well, I mean, I, I was visual too and still am part visual, but not to the point where I can read print anymore. So everything is by ear. Yeah. And see, and that's the thing is where we're different is your, your disability means you have to go for a specific way to learn first. Whereas mine is very kind of the same way, but it's the opposite direction. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I was reading, um, who was I? I was reading um, one of Ollie Richards' books yesterday on my Braille display in Italian. And I realized how much Italian I actually knew, you know, just reading it, you know, off of my display. And, um, I mean, which, you know, I'm able to retain what I, what I read, you know, tactorally, but I mean, I still know how to write. I just don't ask me to read it because exactly it's not going to happen anymore. I mean, well, newspaper font, but I, I look at it like this. I, I switched my, um, whatchamacallit to Italian, my Facebook page the other day. So now every time someone has a message, I'm listening to it in Italian. Oh, so very cool. See, I didn't know you could do that. Yes, you have to go underneath settings. Oh, and see you go, I do my preferred languages and, 
And one of my um, languages that I'm going to learn eventually down the road is Swahili because it's a, a heritage language. I actually am half West African. And so the main language over there is Swahili. So a friend of mine who works at Innovative Language Learning gave me three months of like, I don't know how many languages I wanted. And I went and I downloaded all the information onto the app, on into my library. So I have Hindi, Swahili, Turkish, French, Cantonese, Japanese, Arabic, and Thai. Oh, very cool. So, um, but yes, I am learning Thai right now, which I'm enjoying. I, I can actually visualize the words without even... There are Braille braille codes for mandarin and cantonese and korean japanese anti you know because it's based off the pitches but because of me being able to hear the pitches cantonese even though it's supposed to be a more difficult language to grasp because it's much older than than mandarin um I actually was able to pick up Cantonese a lot better than Mandarin, even though I can understand Mandarin. So it's basically, so what you're, what you're pointing on is basically finding the way you learn best. And then depending on the languages, because this is what I do, depending on the languages, I take what I'm good at as far as learning. Right. And then I make modifications for different languages right well i still use the same method but what i mean i'm going to be honest i went from being visual audio and tactile to being audio and tactile and the older i get my my learning style changes it it will never be the same consistently um so Certain things I used to do back in the day, I can no longer do. So I kind of tweak it that way. But also, um, I'm someone that likes to take my time. I'm not in a rush. Okay, yes, I got through A1 Cantonese in six weeks. But that was because I had an end goal for that particular level. So I picked up the phone, for instance, called a Chinese restaurant here in Akron, and started speaking to the lady in Cantonese, even though she spoke Mandarin, and ordered me some food. Gave my telephone number and my address in Cantonese. And this oh, is actually yeah. So these are the types of goals that I set for myself. Like at the end of the month, I'm going to order, I'm going to go to a Cantonese, uh, Thai restaurant at the end of the month. And I'm going to go and have a small conversation with someone in Thai. And I'm going to introduce myself and I'm going to order me some food see and that is actually I'm glad you brought that up too because I actually I'm getting ready to launch my YouTube channel and stuff and it's going to be it's going to be a branch of my lyrical linguistics stuff and there's going to be parts of it that are for people overseas that want to learn English and that kind of thing, people that want to kind of see where my levels are at languages. But then there's going to be 
parts that are geared towards those people in our own country that are like, oh, I cannot learn a language. It's too hard. I don't have time. I can't do this. I can't do that. I want to show those people that you can if you stop making excuses. And so what I'm going to be doing to launch my YouTube page is I have um, one restaurant right now in the works that have told me they like my idea. They're they're up for doing it. Um, but there is different restaurants around the Kansas City area that have, you know, authentic food from the country. So you get to go in, you can get authentic food, you get the di- actual culture while you're there. And that's all they do is speak that language. Like, they'll use English if they absolutely have to but they prefer to use the native language. So I have it set up and I'm getting ready to set up more, but I want to do a um, special language and culture food uh, series. So I'm going to take people through these videos to specific places where you can get the authentic food from places like Brazil from places like, you know, the Philippines. And we're going to actually order food and do like a uh, Q&A with the owners. But it's going to be in that language. So everything is going to hopefully be in 100% Brazilian. So I'll have friends with me that they can use English, but I can't. So it's kind of like a, I'm going to test my skills, test my knowledge. And then I'm going to do like a Q&A where... You have it in spoken Portuguese, for example, but then you have subtitles in English for those who have never heard Portuguese or never tried Portuguese. Kind of to show people, hey, this this is possible, and you can't really use the excuse of, well, I don't have time, because there's this place in your own backyard that has this if you make the time. And if you can make the time to go to McDonald's for a cheeseburger, you can make the time to go to this restaurant and slowly build up your language skills because it is, it is possible. And actually, I did not know any Portuguese, like spoken Portuguese, until um, this past weekend when I was asking the people at the food truck if they'd be interested in doing it. And I didn't want to look like a total, like, nut. So I was asking them in Spanish, you know, how do you say, you know, this? How do you say this? And they were telling me, you know, well, if you want to say thank you, you know, it's obrigado or obrigada. And they were explaining the rules to me back and forth in, like, Portuguese and Spanish and English. So I think a lot of the times people think, oh, I can't learn this. But if you go and talk to somebody and be like, hey, that's really cool. What language is that? They will literally teach you the language and give you a mini lesson. And I want to show that to people because here in the U.S. we have this whole closed-minded, well, this person doesn't speak good English. and Dude, they may not speak perfect English, but they're still one step ahead of you. Now, I will say this. I 
had the opportunity to speak at the Women in Language Conference this weekend. And I, and I spoke on the usage of audio materials in Braille, being visually impaired. In, and I had six minutes. And I also was on the Fluent Show talking about women in language as well, along with 11 other people from around the world. They took a poll to find out how many countries had tuned in to the Women in Language Conference from around the world. There were 50 countries and 500 people. And guess who was number one? I'm going to guess it was not the U.S. Yes, it was. It was? Over 200 people. What? Yep. Okay. So there so are people in the U.S. Sorry. that do learn languages. And I've met a lot of people and made a lot of friends. And I have interviews lined up with a whole bunch of people. And there are a lot of people out there that are learning languages. And there are a lot of people out there. And I, I didn't know this. But a lot of people are learning their languages because they have depression issue problems or they have really bad social skill issues or they have autism or Asperger's or dyslexia or ADD or ADHD and or some type of neurological disability. There are a few people that are visually impaired or blind, but not that many. They're on the Internet, but, you know, they're not. You know. Yeah, see, when I was growing up, we didn't have people that were wanting to learn languages. When I was growing up, it was, uh, oh, you like languages. That's uh, interesting. Great for you. I could never find people that were American that knew foreign languages. So that's actually really cool because it's nice to know that my fellow Americans are actually starting to be like, oh, hey, this is actually useful because I used to get so much. A lot of people. A lot of people. And I mean, because I live in Akron, I feel like it's like the United Nations over here. I mean, we got people that, you know, Nepali and Yanmar and the Middle East and Egypt and Morocco and um, Afghanistan, Pakistan, um, all of Asia, Eastern Europe. Um, Australia, New Zealand, Finland, Latin America, Central America, Mexico, Puerto Rico, Trinidad, Barbados, you know, the islands. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. Oh, and see, I think it also depends on what state and what area, too, because like here in Kansas City, the area I live in, there's not a whole lot of people. I think, like, where Ivy goes to school, there's, like, one person out of, like, 50 that may speak, like, Spanish, and that's it. So I think it also depends on where you are in your state. Because I know for a fact here where I'm at, there's not an area close by for like people that speak Spanish or you know people that are Mexican-American but if I were to go one state over to like Kansas for example 
if I were to go to Olathe in Kansas, there's like blocks and blocks and blocks of, you know, a designated area that it's mostly your Mexican-Americans, your Spanish-speaking people. And that's where you got to go if you want to speak, you know, Spanish with a native. Not having a car kind of sucks because I can't get there easily. But a lot of times you find these areas and they're not in like the best areas. Mm -hmm. So I have a hard time getting to them. Not because I wouldn't go, but because I have people that want to sit there and stop me from going. And personally, I would rather talk to people of all walks of life because I like learning things. It's one of the other reasons I learn language because I... I like to be able to see how a specific culture thinks. Right. Um, that kind of thing. Uh, I was just and talking to Luca Lampertel about that yesterday. Mm-hmm. And you get that, like, for example, so I got a new guy in my life, and he's originally um, from Iran, I think he said. So he speaks uh, Farsi as his first language. And it's kind of cool because I might end up, you know, never, you never know. I might end up learning Farsi or some Farsi at least. We'll see. I tried to learn Dari because I was trying to speak it with somebody that was completely blind and from Afghanistan. And over there, they don't really educate their blind. And if you're disabled, you're pretty much shunned in certain countries. That didn't go very well. Hello? Yeah, I've never even heard of that one. Yeah, Dari is a dialect of Pushtu. Ah, uh, okay. And so because, okay, they, in Pakistan, they speak Urdu and English. And they speak English, Dari, Pushtu, and something else. I gotta remember the other one. And in uh, Farsi, they speak Farsi and Persian um, in, in, in Iran. Mm. Um, now, I did know someone that was blind from Iran, and he had no rights. None. Zero. And, um, yeah, I mean, some of these countries, they don't really, they're not too keen on people with disabilities at all. Yeah, that's usually why I don't let people know I have the disability I have. But at the same time, I don't really look at it as a bad thing because it helps me learn things differently. And it helps me learn some things a lot easier than most people around me. But at the same time, regardless if you don't let them know or not, there are things that people can pick up when someone's having a conversation that wouldn't be wouldn't be considered normal so i i'm it's kind of hard not to know that i have a vision problem because my eyes move constantly because i have statinous real bad and i don't have control over the movement in my eyes And then when I'm looking, when I think I'm looking straight into the camera, my head's tilted and I don't realize it. So that's why I say I don't like to shoot videos with my face on it. 
Unless someone else is doing the shooting. Uh, yeah. Because it can't be quite, um, you know, uncomfortable for me. And then I also have hand-eye coordination issues because of my, you know, because of that reason. So, and I mean, I get that all the time from people that's on my page. Why don't you show your face? And I have to explain why. And I'm like, you either are going to be able to deal with that or you're not going to be able to deal with that, you know? Um, I don't know. There is a downside, though, to, like, showing your face on camera because I sit there in my videos and I show myself on camera and that might be why I have so many people messaging me and calling me all of a sudden. Well, see, the thing is, is that, and I'm going to put a disclaimer here. Um, This is not to offend anybody who is from the Middle East or anywhere else in the world. This is just my opinion based off of what I have observed personally on Facebook in regards to people sending me friend requests. A lot of them are from North Africa. A lot of them are from Western Africa. A lot of them are from the Middle East. A lot of them are from Latin America. And some of them are really cool. And then the rest of them are looking for a wife and a green card. And I've had to block people People have called me on more than one occasion. And, I mean, that's why I told you in the post earlier before we started this interview to be very careful because that's what they're looking for. They're trying to get to the circumstances that they're in. Thousands of calls. Yeah. Here's the thing. Okay. So, I have nothing against anybody from any country, any culture. But I'm going to agree. That's kind of like irritating like I had to get rid of uh, messenger for a while because I literally I had over I don't know how many requests every time I would I like I've been opening my requests and I have like 500 just to start off with a day I go and I add to people and it just keeps going up and up and up and up I cannot get through all of them I cannot get through even answering messages because I have so many people calling so I've literally had to start blocking people and seriously like there's nothing wrong with wanting to you know call and chat you know because I get some people are more of a face-to-face kind of like person like I prefer to talk face-to-face but at the same time I have hundreds of messages at a glance of people that have literally written me messages saying, hey, teacher of English. And you can tell they're interested, like they want to know more about my page and that kind of thing. And like when the videos are going to be up and that kind of thing. And I cannot get to them because of, you know, the handful of the ones that want to call you every two seconds. Oh, yes. And I've had to block people, and especially when I've thrown up FB videos stating, excuse me, I'm a professional here. Do not call me about personal things. Do not yeah. call me two, three, four, five o'clock in the morning. Yeah. 
I, I, I mean, I've had to block people. And it just, I, you know, honestly, I blocked one person. And I won't say where they're from, but they're way on the other side of the world. And I had a conversation with them for an hour. And after I finished, I was depressed. But here's my question on that. Okay, so with, like, the phone calls and stuff, do you ever, like, answer one? Or you talk to somebody? And because you know the different languages. So, for example, because this is what I run into. So, a lot of people have asked me, you know, what countries I work for as far as being, like, a teacher or a translator for. And I've had people that... They think, okay, yeah, she's an American, but she's living in Europe. Like, how many times do you have that happen to you where somebody's, they're like, okay, I understand. Well, you know, I have spoken a language with somebody as an example, and they asked me, do I speak English? And then I come back with an American accent, and they're like, I swear I thought you were from another country because I spoke it that well. And okay, so it's not just me because right, I'm, but I let them know I speak American English, I don't speak British English. And I said, You're gonna have to choose between which one you want to know. Because, and then I do get people where they want you to teach them things that you don't even know, ah, like Ebonics. Wait, dude, I might be black, but I'm not, no. This is not how that works. And and unfortunately, you know, you're going to have people where you have language exchanges and half of the time it's supposed to be in the target language and the other half is supposed to be in English. Well, I have them go first so I can get my, my, my practice time in. Well, I wind up never being able to speak because 100% of the time is in English. And I said, well, that's not fair. Or there might be like a, uh, like I was speaking to Irina on the phone a couple times. Well, the first time the connection on her end was really bad and I could barely hear her. So I just kept talking because I just, I couldn't hear her. So when we got off the phone, she was like well I never got any time in and I said well that was because you had a very bad connection and I could hardly hear you so I just did what I thought I needed to do in order to keep the conversation going you know yeah and so that happened in classes it's not fun oh my gosh I always feel like so bad because like so most of the kids I teach English to are kids and I've taught kids I've taught adults I like them both, but I also, like, I don't know. Like, I love teaching people, but I I have a hard time picking, like, a favorite if I prefer the kids over the adults. Kids I, are a little bit more fun because you can be a lot more creative. Yeah, kids are more fun, and they don't care about making mistakes. The adults are more like reserved and then they're so worried about making mistakes that it's not as fun but I like working with like everybody like I like the fact that I can work with you know an adult who's 
trying to go back to school to learn English for work. Like, I love that. Like, I think it's really cool. But, like, my biggest thing when it comes to learning any language, and this is, like, one thing I would recommend to anybody, is don't worry or get caught up on your mistakes. Well, I will say this. Anyone who is from Asia, they have a problem with that. They don't oh, yeah. want mistakes. They And they're very classroom-based, so if you're trying to get them to go outside to do a scavenger hunt event where they have to apply their reading, writing, speaking, and all that, we did that at a nonprofit organization. We had an hour, so I had three people. We went and found the places we needed to find, and I had at the end, I couldn't listen to them talk about it because I had to go home. But there, they had to do a presentation at the end after it was over to say what they thought about the experience. And they actually enjoyed applying what they learned in the book to real-world experiences because they weren't able to do that when they went home. You know. And so I think a lot of it is that as an adult, you know, you have more experience you know, to draw from, you don't, you want to, you're very, you know, self-conscious of what you are doing and saying at all times, because you don't want to feel like you're going to fall flat on your face, when in fact, it's okay to fall flat on your face, because you're never going to learn if all you're concentrated on is, I need to be perfect. Well, there is no such thing. Yeah. And that's the thing is I feel like the adults, they focus more on, oh, I cannot make mistakes. I cannot make mistakes. And the kids are like, eh, I'm going to make a mistake. Like, I've never had a kid sit there and be like, oh, no, I can't do this. I'm going to make a mistake. Like, I, because I have kids that are from like ages three and four up to like, I want to say 16, 18, I think at the oldest. And I... I push them. It's like, okay, if I if I know you can do basics, like you can give me this sentence. It's like, okay, I'm gonna push you. Think outside the box. Put your own experiences, your own ideas into the mix. Give me this sentence, but then add an extra detail. Add this. Right. So like, my my biggest thing is like the kids. They'll they'll try it. But the adults won't. So anybody that listens to your podcast, don't be afraid of making mistakes. Go ahead and make your mistakes. Because if you make a mistake, think of it as, oh, no, don't think of it as, oh, no, I made a mistake. Think of it as, okay, I made a mistake, but now I'm going to figure out why did I make that mistake and how do I fix it? Right. That's the thing is I think People from foreign countries, especially with English, because it seems to be the one that they need to learn the most, they have in their heads that somebody like myself who teaches English or somebody else would be so mad that they didn't get it. And here's the thing. Most, most people, and there are a slight few that are not like this, but most people are going to be super nice. And if you're asking them, okay, do I have this correct? They'll let you know yes or no. They'll let you know why they 
you know, they'll give you a different phrase to use. And that's why I really like learning languages and teaching languages. It's because I can be like, okay, I know how to say it this way. Is there another way to say it? Because right. I, teach, I teach English, but I teach American English. But then I also, if I know a word for British English, I teach that as well. So you'll get both. Um, you'll get both sides with me based on, you know, the phrases that I have, the phrases that I've learned, I try to put them all together. So it's kind of like an, you could say it this way or this way, or here's an addition if you're going to the UK. But at the same time, I work with people from the UK. So I kind of feel like you have to take the material and then put a spin on it for individual people. Right. And I think a lot of teachers don't do that. It's more of a this is what it is, this is how it's going to be. And they forget that English, and I don't know about other languages per se, that I can, you know, think of exact ideas and thoughts, but English itself, we have like 50 ways to say the same thing. Right. But then you go and you speak Spanish, and it's like, this is how it's said in this context. And I'm like sitting here like, you know what? A foreign language sometimes is so much more easier than even English. Right. I understand their language is better than I understand my own half the time. Because that's, that's the thing. If you have 50 ways to say the exact same thing, I don't get to the translation too because I'll sit there and I'll be like, well, I'll take a phrase in Spanish and be like, okay, there's like 50 ways that you could say the exact same thing and I'll put it in a phrase. And I'll get, no, 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 this is wrong, this is wrong. And it's like, it's not wrong. It's just not the way that you would have phrased it. It's just a different way of phrasing it. You know, I've noticed that. And I've also noticed how there are people in other countries that seem to think that when you're trying to speak their language... They like to interrupt you mid-sentence and your flow of thought process winds up being interrupted and you can't get back to where you were because they wanted to try to correct whatever mistake you made instead of letting you make it, take a note down, and then tell you after you finish saying whatever it was, this is how you say it. Oh, yeah. And I've had people do that to me before in like translations where they'll, they'll give you a paragraph. And I'll translate it in one of the most common ways that we use it. But then the way that they have wanted it translated is completely different. And it's like, okay, you have to think your, your, your native language and your target language. Grammar is not the same. Right. Sentence structure is not the same. So when you're translating something into English... It's you're not going to be 100%. Can, but you're, depending on who you talk to, you might talk to 10 people. Each person is going to give you a different variation that you may not have wanted, but it's not incorrect. Right. And that's the thing I think people have problems with, especially when they're learning a language like English, is because you have American English, you have British English. 
and I can't speak for British English because my my range there is very limited. But American English, it changes depending on who you're talking to. If you're talking right. to don't even compare it to somebody older. It's going to be ten times more different. Or, depending on what part of the country you live in. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're down south, there's certain there's certain ways they speak. Then you're if you're from, like, New England country, there's certain ways they speak. Then you're talking about all the barrels in New York. There's certain ways they speak. People in Jersey, people in Ohio. And I'm from Ohio, but I don't speak like I'm from Ohio. I speak like I'm from California. So... Because I've actually lived in California. However, everyone speaks differently. And so this is what they, a lot of the ESL learners seem to not understand. They're getting their English from reading books like the Hardy Boys or, you or know. Or movies. Or movies. Everybody and, talks to like the from Jalsy. Right. And, and people don't speak like that. Yeah. And that, see, when I was learning Russian, I picked people. Like President Putin, for instance. I love the way he speaks. So I would listen to anything he had to say. I watched talk shows in Russian. And some of those talk shows are funny as what? But yeah, I love You know, so I think it I think it just depends on what the person's trying to get out of it, but I I know from all the Russians I've worked with and all the people from Brazil and other parts of Latin America and whatnot that they have a problem speaking because they're not speaking. They're concentrating on the grammar. They're concentrating on the written aspects. And I said, well, if you don't speak, you know, you can't just wait to speak. You have to start speaking at some point. You're never going to approve. You're never going to understand spoken English. And I think that's their problem. They they don't understand spoken English because they're not um they're not actually close to it. Yeah. So and I, I find that to be very problematic. I mean people could be studying for four, six, ten years and they're still at an A one. If that. Yeah. And see, and that's why, like, if I'm teaching somebody, I'm going to focus on a few things. I'm going to focus on pronunciation. I'm going to focus on a little bit on sentence structure. And then I'm going to focus a lot on how you perceive and understand the content. So when you have a lesson, how much of it are you comprehending? Are you getting the general idea? Because if you have the general idea of why it's written this way and how to pronounce, I feel like you're halfway there. Because you take the basics and then expand and then put your thoughts. And I think that's what people need to do. Is they need to be able to see it and speak it out multiple times and then ask their questions. Like, I have an eight-year-old. She asks me questions all the time, whether it be for spelling or how would you say this in a certain way? How would you say this in a different way? 
And that's the thing is people don't want to ask questions. And I personally, I love it when students ask questions. Well, especially if they're an adult or like I asked a question. I said, tell me about yourself. Describe yourself to me in English. You know, now, or tell me what did you do last week since the last time we talked? Well, so I give you an example. So I told him what I did, right? He interpreted what I did as my hobbies, and it wasn't correct. And I said, no, that's not a hobby. I practice my languages. That's something that I do. I have a routine. I did laundry. I cooked. I got myself ready for Thanksgiving. These are the things that I did during the week. Well, he didn't. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think in that case, you have to kind of differentiate the difference between the two. Oh, I did. And and it was still it was still somewhat unclear. And then when he he was like, Well, can we talk about I was like, Okay, can you tell me about your job? And he kept using the same words over and over. I'm a handyman. He can never describe, use any type of descriptive words as to what he did in this particular job. Okay, so I have to fix the pipes or I anything. It okay. just it, it there was no vocabulary. Oh yeah, he he his vocabulary was very limited. And I mean, I tried to water it down as much as I could. And it was still I was just like Okay, so basically he was like, "Well, can we talk about this next week?" Okay. Now, he didn't know what a short-term goal was. He didn't know what a long-term goal was. Nothing nothing basic. Yet, uh, I just, I mean, I haven't worked with him in, a, in several months now, but that's because I've been busy. But I seem to feel like a lot of these older people who, they're, like I asked them, what do you like to read? Do you like to read? Oh, well, I read grammar books. Um, Do you like to read for fun? You know. Uh, No, I read grammar books. In in that case, I think TPR goes a long way, which is like making the actions. Since I, I use a lot of TPR and props with kids, and I'm thinking about starting that up with the adults because I think... The adults are more like, they're like visual, kind of like I'm visual and stuff. I think adults are more visual because they haven't been in school for a long for time. For years. And so I think they know, because that's, the problem I have is like, they know what they want to say, but they don't have the vocabulary. So in that case, I would do like vocabulary sheets. So it's like, okay, let's pick a topic. And then I'm going to take this topic. I'm going to send specific vocabulary that goes with this topic. Right. Uh, specific sentences. And then what we'll do is we're going to go through each of these sentences, each of these vocabulary words. We're going to focus on pronunciation. We're going to focus on how to make the different sentences. So 
while you're saying it, you're also going to be able to read it. And right. Right. And see, and we'll build by, the time, on. by the time we got to that, right, he was like, well, you can say this in Russian. And I said, I, my Russian's pretty good. Okay, I might need to work on my grammar, but you need more help with your English. But I also told him, I said, I'm certified English teacher, so I'm going to have to get paid for this. And that's where the problem lies. A lot of people want you to do it for nothing and not pay the person. I which definitely had that problem. Well, most of the people I'm getting, they don't want it. They want it for free. See, I haven't really had that problem. And I think that's the thing is like, so I'm, I always do like a, um, a trial lesson. That's what I was doing. We set up um, like plans for people. So I have it set up where, okay, so say you take a lesson. And what I do is I, I do like a free trial lesson so you can see kind of how I work. Because I may not be the right kind of person for you. And right. then I might be. So I always do a trial lesson with people. I offer it. And then I do my best like if something comes up or we need to cancel or I need to cancel I will set up the next appointment and I will kind of be like hey you know since I had to cancel on you why don't we do this since you paid for this lesson let's go ahead and do the pay lesson and then I'm going to add a little bit extra time and I've noticed people are really good about like oh wow she's she's really serious I can ask my questions I can right taken care of so i've never had a problem with that How- you and- might you might have actually gotten people who yeah. were willing to pay you and and that is but that being said most of the places that i've worked for have been online through sites right so they have it set up where you you are notified before you even sign up for a lesson, that hey, you are allowed, you know, one free lesson to take a trial to see if this person is going to be the right person or right fit for you. Right. And there have been people that I'm just not the right fit for. Right. And then there's people that I have been the right fit for. And those right. are the people that I have that have been the students I've had, you know, on a weekly basis, once or twice a week. And I had, starting out, I had, I had a couple of students that, um, from day one, you know, took a lesson and then felt it was a good fit. So they took another lesson and then, you know, our schedules didn't work out. So I might've had to drop them, but I've had it where they've signed up for multiple classes. Like, okay, I... I'm taking this class. I'll see you next week. I had one student who came to the U.S. and she was from Russia. And 
she knew exactly what she wanted to work on. She's like, I need help with pronunciation. It's my hardest part. She's like, comprehension of some of the words and phrases. So that's what we focused our lessons around. Right. And we had it set up where we would meet twice a week for a period of, I want to say five to six months every week. And there was like maybe one or two sessions that we had to miss due to like holidays or something like that. And I set it up where it's like, okay, you can do it this way where, you know, if for some reason something happens and your funds just haven't made it, you know, I will set up a payment plan for you because she, she was very good about keeping appointments and Mm -hmm. making sure that she had paid for her lessons. And I do that with people. But at the same time, there's been some people that are like, oh, yeah, I'm going to schedule this lesson. And then they never do. And so those are the people that I'm like, okay, I'm not going to be willing to set up a payment plan for. Right. Because it's one of those, I don't mind if you miss a lesson, but if you cannot tell me that you're going to miss a lesson, then I'm a lot less likely to set it up. So like with, for example, the page I set up for the teaching and translation, I am planning on doing a YouTube channel where people can get, um, you know, like basic help. And then if they want to book an appointment, they can sit there and be like, okay, I want to book an appointment for say 30 minutes or an hour. And that 30 minutes or hour will focus on where they feel like they need the most help. Right. So it'll be more personalized and geared towards what they want to work on. And in those cases, they'll have, like, for example, they want pronunciation. So we'll do, like, a trial run of, like, say, you know, 15 to 20 minutes where we're just talking in general. So I can kind of see, okay, this is this is a sound. They have a hard time pronouncing words that have, you know, a TH at the end of words or, you know, so, so on and so forth. Right. And then it's like, okay, here's what we're going to do. This is the idea I have for a lesson plan. What works for you? Do you like this idea or would you prefer to modify it? And that's kind of what I've been doing. And I've had some luck doing that on the side. Oh, well, that's good. So, I mean, that might be one thing that people want to think about when they get into this field is people want to be the right fit for everybody right well see see i i make it known these are the types of things that i work on personally is pronunciation listening comprehension and speaking because those are important um mainly because a lot of them do need to speak and I let them speak and I let them get whatever it is they're trying to get out. And then I'll let them know, okay, this is what you said to me. This is what you meant to say. Or they'll type something out and then I'll tell them what they typed and then I'll, I'll show them and then I'll, I'll give them what they meant to say. So they see what it looked like. You know, yeah, 
at the same time, if there's no improvement, because, you know, you can only do so much as a teacher. And if they're not willing to put the work in, it's like, okay, I tried to help you. I did the best I could. But I might have to, you know. Now, I mean, I have had people where I've given them really good tips. They took my tips. They called me back the next week and was happy because it worked. Yeah. You know, so I think it all depends on the individual. Uh, And I think that's the thing. That's why I don't like, like, okay, so here's the thing. So I... I love trying new things. So I tried um, the language boost camp from language boost. Right, right. I absolutely loved taking that course because it actually helped me with my Russian get from the point where I was like struggling just to even like read words to where now my, my comprehension has gone up. So I've been able to kind of go from not understanding anything to where now I can understand a little bit. I still need to practice actually speaking the language. However, the problem I have with some of these places, and I don't have it with Language Boost because I like that they do the um, videos where you can... Oh, did you, did, you, did you do a lesson with Lucas? I have not had an actual lesson with Lucas yet, but... I'm hoping to in the future if I can ever get my schedule. But here's the thing. It's like I like I like the fact that there's so many different options out there for like taking lessons and working with teachers online. I like yeah. that there's audio CDs and that kind of stuff. The thing that I do not like is the whole that whole you'll get here like really really fast and everything like you know we'll have you speaking the language really really good in like 10 days or 20 days or however many months I don't like the F1 challenge you speak you you do 30 you do 90 videos and at the end you speak for 15 minutes the reason why I haven't done the at one challenge is because I I find it for me personally to be a waste of money and a waste of time I could speak in that target language if I speak every day in 15 minutes before 90 days. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, and the thing is, is I feel like some of those have unrealistic expectations for the majority of people. Yes, I do think people make excuses for why they cannot learn a language. However... At the same time, I think there are people out there that they haven't found the right method that works for them personally, Mm -hmm. and they haven't found a way to modify it when that way does not work for them. Or they tend to use the same material, and it becomes outdated, like they become immune to what they've already used. So they're not willing to step out their comfort zone and try a different method to help them get further along in their language learning. Exactly. So, like, I would say, me personally, I have my way of learning languages, but I'm always up for trying new ways. So once I feel like I'm in, like, a zone where I'm not progressing, 
I shake it up. Okay, you might want to go online. Do you have you have an iPhone, right? Uh, I have a pay-as-you-go iPhone. Okay. Well, uh, I was going to say, you can go to the iTunes store, type in Ollie Richards. He has his short stories for seven bucks. In yeah, the I saw yes. those. I want to get those so bad. I actually almost bought one. I was short on uh, money at the time. I have I have it in Italian, French, and Russian. Um, and I just bought the Italian one, the digital book, because I have it in audio too. But I wanted it because I wanted to read it on my braille display, so I can you know get the spelling and all that. Um, and I was going to say if you want to do Russian, get it's it's seven bucks. For yeah, the digital Barnes and Nobles. There was some book that I think was by Ollie Richards that I really wanted to get. And I can't remember if it was Ollie Richards or somebody else. But I wanted to get it and they had marked it up because that's what they do here. They mark it up. So it was too expensive for me to get at that moment. You can get it. I would get it online. I would get it digitally because that way you'll have it. Yeah, but yeah, I I had a uh, an actual paperback copy that I wanted to get. You can go to his. You can go to Amazon and get it. Yeah, because Barnes and Nobles is like the worst place to get language stuff. Can I just I say that? I don't. I don't even do that anymore. I go to my library. Prices are ridiculous. I go to my library. And you have you done mango languages? Yes, I have. I actually have that on my tablet. So I have actually switched from reading stuff online. I still do the online stuff, but I am also using, what is it? I have the Mango app for languages, for Russian, Chinese, uh, Romanian, for when I have those moments I forget a word. And I think I added Turkish. I Oh, I was checking it the other day to see if it had Esperanto, just for the heck of it. But it doesn't. No. Not Mango languages. And then I have the Anki card deck. That, uh, I, tried, I, yeah, I don't even I tried, know about. And I really didn't like Anki. Yeah, I actually uh, I like Anki because it's, it's one of those things that lets me like hit a thing that says, okay, this one's still hard for me. But I actually, I like Anki, and Lucas was the one that actually told me, hey, have you tried this? And so I had to try it. Because, you know, I'm supposed to be interviewing them. He had to cancel. He wasn't feeling well last week. He was in the hospital, and so I'm still waiting for him to get back to me. He might have caught a bug or something, because, you know, he's always out of the country. Somewhere. I know, he's in Thailand. Well, yeah, um... <laughs> <laughs> so I can't I can't wait to interview them I'm going to be interviewing them at the same time so awesome and Luca Lampriello is supposed to get back to me we're going to finish our interview and he is so sweet he actually had all the I typed him questions out and sent them and he, print them, he printed them out oh my god that's so awesome 
And um, yeah, he's one of those people I would say is very down to earth. And he was like, I could tell you're really passionate about language learning. I mean, now there are people that assume that I'm not passionate enough. I don't understand how that's possible, but. <laughs> okay, so before we go too, too in depth on that, can I just say, I personally think all of my polyglot friends are absolutely amazing. And I will definitely give a shout out to Lucas right here, right now, because Lucas is absolutely amazing. I love Jan too, but hey, I absolutely love Lucas. I absolutely love um, the one from the Netherlands. I always forget how to say his name, but um, Wooter Quarter Winner. Oh my gosh, I absolutely love that guy. He is so awesome. And he actually, him and Lucas were the ones that inspired me to start my page and get ready to do like a YouTube channel and that kind of thing. And so I don't know if they listen to the podcast, but if they do, guys, I just want to say you guys are fantastic friends. You guys really kind of set the bar high, but that's a good thing because, you know, you guys have inspired me so much and I think... I don't know if I can speak for you, Chanel, but I think the polygons of the world are just amazing because... They are. I mean, I, I, I do have to say that. Like, they're they, awesome. they, they wel- they're very welcoming. Now, I mean, I've spoken to a lot of people since starting this podcast in May, and I, I have to say, you know, I was apprehensive at first because I didn't know how people, how seriously people would take me, you know, giving my visual impairment and all. And I mean, I still pinch myself, you know, that I got to talk to people like Ollie Richards yeah. and him and I have become really good friends. And yeah, exactly. That's the thing is like the first and- time I ever worked with Lucas was for the uh, Speak 25 launch and I had never done a speaking thing at all. It's my first time doing a speaking thing and I had no idea who Lucas was. I had no idea who Jan was and then it's like, oh yeah, hey, we'd like you to do this since we've hired you to be our, our teacher and I was super super nervous and I'm like sitting here like okay I I tried to you know learn Russian because I'm going to be working with a lot of people from Russia through this site and I was so nervous and Lucas was the one that said you know what don't worry you'll be fine and I just think it's really great that they sit there and they kind of become mentors for a lot of us a lot of us and I so mean I because the same thing that we're doing now we're going to be doing that for somebody else exactly so it's like a, it's like a cycle so I just yeah it's like a pay for it thing exactly so I kind of want to just take this moment in the podcast to like really give a shout out in hopes that they hear this and I'm putting this on my page by the way oh that's but fine please share I, it please I feel like we need to say like a quick 
quick thanks to them because honestly, if they hadn't paved the way before us and then been so supportive of us and our ventures, I honestly don't think I would have had the guts to start my page. So I feel like I need to say thank you to them and give them like shout outs. I give them shout outs all the time, but I just, they're just awesome. Oh, oh trust me. I, I, I was very happy to have him say, yes, we'll do it. You know, I was like, cool, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, and it's kind of a weird thing. I, now that I have my own show and I have like 7.1k listeners, 98 downloads, um, you know, I'm, I've only been doing this less than a year, you know, so for me personally to be able to interview people, not just, you know, well-known polyglots, I mean, because I'm going to be the first one to sit there and say this after interviewing all these people, they're still people. So they don't see themselves as like extraordinary super people. They just don't. I know. They're so like down to earth. earth. Yeah. And I mean, like, I, I, I got to interview Jimmy Mello. And he's from Bella Horizonte, Brazil. And we talked for an hour and four minutes and he was just amazing. He had me in stitches the whole time. But, you know, I talked to him and I got to interview Lydia Mahova of Language Mentoring. And the day that I interviewed her and put the episode out was the day before her TED Talk had gotten put on YouTube. Oh, yeah. Hey, speaking of that, speaking of that, um, so we've been talking for almost two hours. Yes, and I actually have to wrap this up because I do have another interview to prepare for. Um, but where can people reach you if they want to get more information? All right. So I am actually on Facebook. And so people can actually message me on Facebook personal page. Or they can check me out. I don't have a YouTube one up yet. When I get it up, I will let you know. But the page that I have set up, uh, it is called Lyrical Linguistics Translation and Teaching. And it will eventually have links to not only the YouTube site for the YouTube videos, but there will be a blog up as well. And so far, I've got posts up there. I will have live videos. And we are also are going to start having a live Q&A session that is either going to be weekly or bi-weekly. I haven't really decided yet. Our first one is this Friday, March 15th at 11.30 a.m. CST time. But they are more than welcome to check it out. And it is on Facebook. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. And thank you to everybody out there. And I just want to leave everybody with 
Language learning is a journey, not a race. Enjoy the process. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please don't forget to subscribe to my podcast on Anchor and every place where there's a podcast that you can subscribe to, whether it's Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Radio Public, AudioCast, RadioCast. And thank you to everybody out there who's listening. Continue to listen and enjoy learning your languages. I'll see everybody in the next episode.